Chapter 11 of Taking the Bastille by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Prison Governor Belay looked at the moss-grown edifice, resembling the monsters of fable covered with scales. He counted the embrasures where the great guns might be run out again, and the wall-guns which opened their ominous eye to peer through the loopholes. He shook his head, recalling Flacella's words. "'We'll never get in,' he muttered. "'Why, never?' questioned a voice at his elbow. Turning, he saw a wild-looking beggar in rags, but with eyes glittering like stars in their hollow sockets. "'Because it is hard to take such a pile by main strength.' "'Taking the Bastille is not a matter of strength,' replied the mendicant. "'But an act of faith. Have as little faith as a grain of mustard seed, and yet you can overturn a mountain. Believe we can do it, and good night, Bastille.' "'Wait a bit,' muttered Belay, fumbling for Marat's recommendation in his pocket. "'Wait!' reiterated the vagabond, mistaking his mind. "'Yes, I can understand you being willing to wait, for you are a farmer, and have always had more than enough to make you fat. But look at my mates, the death's heads and raw bones surrounding us. See their veins dried up. Count their bones through the holes in their tatters and ask them—' if they know what waiting in patience means. This man speaks glibly, but he frightens me, remarked Petou. He does not frighten me, replied Belay. Then, turning to the stranger, he went on. I say patience, because in a quarter hour yet we shall do. I can't call that much, answered the vagrant, smiling. "'But how much better off we will be, then?' "'I shall have visited the Bastille by then,' rejoined the farmer revolutionist. "'I shall know how strong the garrison is, and the governor's intention. "'I shall, in short, have a glimpse of how we can get in.' "'It will do, if you see how to get out.' "'Well,' As to that, if I do not come out, I know a man who will fetch me out. Who is he? Galchon, the people's spokesman, their orator, their Mirabeau. You don't know him, said the man, his eyes flashing fire. So how do you make that out? I am going to know him. I was told that the first person I addressed on Bastille Square would take me to him. You are on the spot. Lead me to him. What do you want of him? To hand him this paper from Surgeon Marat, whom I have just left at the City Hall, whence he was marching to the Invalide to get muskets for his twenty thousand men. In this case, hand over the paper. I am Gonchon, friends, added the vagabond.
as Belay drew back a step. "'Here is a chap who does not know me, and asks if I am really Gauchon.' The mass burst into laughter. It seemed impossible that their favorite should not be known to all. "'Long life to Gauchon!' was the shout. "'There you are,' said Belay, passing the paper to him. "'Mates!' said the popular leader, having read and slapping the bearer on the shoulder. "'This is a brother whom Marat recommends, so you may rely on him. What is your name, pal?' "'Belay.' "'My name is Axe. Do you see? Between us I hope we shall cut something.' The mob laughed at this ominous pun. "'Ay, somebody will get cut,' was the cry. "'How are we to set about it?' "'We are going right into there,' answered Gonchon, pointing to the building. "'That is the right kind of talk,' said the farmer. "'How many have you, Gonchon?' Thirty skeletons.' Thirty thousand of yours!' and twenty coming from the soldiers' hospital, ten thousand here, more than enough to succeed, if we are to succeed. "'We shall,' replied the beggar king. "'I believe you. Get your men in hand while I go in and summon the governor to surrender. If he should, so much the better as it will spare bloodshed. If not—' The blood will fall on his head, and it is bad luck these times. Ask those German dragoons who hewed down the inoffensive. How long will you be engaged with the governor? As long as I can make it, so as to have the castle invested thoroughly, if possible, the moment I come out, begin the onset. Enough said. "'You don't distrust me?' said the countryman, holding out his hand to the city ragamuffin. "'I distrust you,' replied the other, shaking with his emaciated hand the plump one of the farmer, with a vigor he had not expected. "'Wherefore, with a word or a sign, I could have you ground into dust, though you were sheltered by yon towers, which to-morrow will exist not.' were you protected by those soldiers who will be our dead meat or we shall be theirs go ahead and rely on galchon as he does on belay convinced the farmer walked toward the bastille gateway with his new comrade proceeded toward the dwellings under cheers for the people's mirabeau i never saw the other mirabeau thought Pitou but ours is not handsome. Toward the city, the Bastille presented two twin towers, while its two sides faced where the canal runs today. The entrance was defended by an outpost house, two lines of sentinels, and two drawbridges over moats. After getting over these obstacles, one reached the government yard, where the governor's residence was. Hence, a corridor led to the ditches, Another entrance, also leading to the ditches, had a drawbridge, a guardhouse, and an iron grating as portcullis. At the first entry they stopped Belay, 
but he showed the flacella introduction, and they did not turn him back. Perceiving that Pitou followed him, as he would have locked steps with him and marched up to the moon, he said, "'Stay outside. If I do not return, it will be well for somebody to be around to remind the people that I went in.' "'Just so. How long shall I wait?' "'An hour.' "'What about the casket?' inquired the youth. "'If I do not come out, if Gonchon does not take the Bastille, or if, having taken it, I am not to be found, tell Dr. Gilbert, who may be found, that men from Paris stole the box he entrusted to me five years ago, that on arriving in town I learnt he was put in the Bastille, whence I strove to rescue him, but left my skin.' which was entirely at his service. "'Very good, Father Belay,' said the peasant. "'It is rather long, and I am afraid of forgetting it.' "'I will repeat it.' "'Better write it,' said a voice hard by. "'I cannot write,' rejoined Belay. "'I can, for I am clerk to the Chatelet prison. My name is Maillard, Stanislaus Maillard.' He was a man of forty-five, tall and slim, grave, and clad in black as became such a functionary. He drew a writing-case from his pocket containing writing materials. "'He looks devilish, like an undertaker,' muttered Pitou. "'You say,' said the clerk, imperturbably writing, "'that men from Paris took from your dwelling a casket entrusted to you by Dr. Gilbert.' That is an offence to begin with. They belong to the Paris police. Infamous theft, said Maillard. Here is your memorandum, young man, he added, giving the note to Ange. If he be slain, it is to be hoped that both of us will not. I will do it if you both go down. Thank you, said Belay, giving his hand to the clerk, who grasped it with more power than one might accredit to the meagre frame. "'So I may rely on you?' "'As on Marat and Garchon. "'Such triplets are not born every day,' thought Pitou, who only said, "'Be prudent, Father Belay.' "'Do not forget that the most prudent thing in France is courage,' said the farmer with his blunt eloquence, sometimes startling in his rough body. He passed the first line of sentinels while Pitou backed out. At the bridge he had to parley, but it was lowered on his showing his pass, and the iron grating was raised. Behind the portcullis was the governor. This inner yard was the prisoner's exercise ground. Eight giant towers guarded it. No window opened into it. The sun never penetrated its well-like circuit where the pavement was damp, almost muddy. Here a clock, the face upheld by chained captives in carving, dropped the seconds like water oozing through a ceiling on the dungeon slabs. At the bottom of this pit, the prisoner, lost in the stony gulf, would glance up at the inexorable nakedness, and sue to be led back into his cell. Governor Lanai was about fifty years of age, 
he wore a grey linsey woolsey suit this day it was crossed by a red sash of the order of saint louis and he carried a sword cane he was a bad man lingue's memoirs had just shown him up in a sad light and he was hated almost as much as the jail his father had been governor before him the officers here were on the purchase system so that the officials tried to make all the money they could squeeze out of the prisoners and their friends the governor chief warder doubled his sixty thousand franc appointments by extortion in the way of meanness lanai outdid his foregoers he may have had to pay more highly for the post than his father and so had to put on the screw to retrieve his outlay he fed his household out of the prisoners rations he reduced the firing allowance and doubled the hire of furniture maybe he foresaw that he was not to enjoy the berth long he had the right to pass a hundred casks of wine into paris free of duty he sold it to a wine shopkeeper who got in the best vintage and supplied him for the prisoners with vinegar the latter had one relief one pleasure a little garden made on a bastion where they got a whiff of sweet air and saw flowers and grass and sunshine he let this out to a truck gardener robbing the prisoners for fifty livres a year on the other hand he was yielding to rich captives he let one furnish his room in his own style and have any visitors he liked for further particulars see the bastille unveiled for all this lunai was brave he might be pale but he was calm although the storm had raged against him from the previous evening he felt aware of the riot becoming a revolt for the waves broke at the foot of his castle wall it is true that he had four cannon and a garrison of old soldiers and swiss with only one unarmed man confronting him for Belay had handed his fowling-piece to Ange on entering the stronghold. He understood that a weapon might get him into trouble beyond the barrier. With a glance, he remarked everything. The governor's calm and menacing attitude, the Swiss ranked in the guard-houses, the veterans on the platforms, and the silent bustle of the artillerists loading up their caissons with ammunition. The sentinels had their muskets on their shoulders, and their officers carried drawn swords. As the commander stood still, Belay was obliged to go to him. The grating closed behind the people's parliamentarian with an ugly grinding of metal on metal, which made him shudder to the marrow brave though he was. "'What do you want again?' challenged Lanai. "'Again?' took up Belay. It seems to me that this is the first time you have seen me, so that you cannot be very tired of me. I was told you come from the city hall, and I have just had a deputation from there to get me to promise not to open fire. I promised that much, and so I had the guns drawn in. I was on the square as you did so, and I... You thought that I was giving way to the calls of the crowd? it looked that way replied the farmer did i not tell you that they would believe me just such a coward said lanai turning round to his officers who do you come from then he demanded of belay i come on behalf of the people 
rejoined the visitor proudly. "'That is all very well,' sneered Lanai, smiling. "'But you must have shown some other warrant, for otherwise you would not have passed the first deadline of centuries.' "'True. I have a pass from your friend Flacella.' "'Flacella? Why do you dub him my friend?' exclaimed the prison warden, looking at the speaker to read to the bottom of his mind. "'How do you conclude that he is a friend of mine?' "'I supposed as much.' "'Is that all? Uh, never mind. Let us see your safe conduct.' Belay presented the paper which Lanai read more than once. In order to catch a hidden meaning or concealed lines, he even held it up to the light to see if there was secret writing. "'Is that all? Are you perfectly sure? Nothing by word of mouth in addition?' "'Not a bit.' "'Strange,' said Lanai, plunging his glance by a loophole on Bastille Square. "'Then tell me what you want, and be quick.' "'The people want you to give up the Bastille.' "'What did you say?' cried Lanai, turning quickly as if he must be mistaken on his hearing. "'I summon you, in the people's name, to give up the Bastille.' "'Queer animals, the people!' sneered Lanai, snapping his fingers. "'What do they want with the Bastille?' "'To demolish it.' "'Why, what the mischief is the Bastille to the people? Is any common man ever shut up herein? Why, the people ought to bless every stone of the Bastille. Who are locked up here? Philosophers, learned men, aristocrats, statesmen, princes, all the enemies of the dregs. This only proves that the people are not selfish and want to do good to others. It is plain that you are not a soldier, my friend, said the other with a kind of pity. It is true, and come fresh from the country. For you do not know what the Bastille is. Come with me, and I will show you. He is going to pull the spring of some trap which will open beneath my feet thought the adventurer, and then good-bye, old Belay. But he was intrepid, and did not wince as he prepared to accede to the invitation. "'In the first place,' continued Lanai, "'it is well to know that I have enough powder in the store to blow up the castle and lay half the suburbs in ashes.' "'I knew that,' was the tranquil reply. Do you see these cannon? They rake this gallery, which is defended by a guardhouse, and by two ditches only to be crossed by drawbridges. Lastly, there is a portcullis. Oh, I am not saying that the Bastille will be badly defended, but that it will be well attacked. To proceed, here is a postern opening on the moats, Observe the thickness of the walls. 
forty feet here and fifteen above you see that though the people have nails they will break against such walls i am not saying that the people will demolish the bastille to master it but that having mastered it they will demolish it said the leader of the revolutionists let us go upstairs said the governor leading up thirty steps where he paused to say this embrasure opens on the passage by which you would be bound to come it is defended by one rampart gun but it enjoys a fair reputation you know the song oh my sweet-voiced sackbut i love your dear song certainly i have heard it but i do not think this is a time to sing it or anything else stay marshal sax called this gun his sackbut because it sang the only music he cared anything for this is a historical fact but let us go on oh said billet when upon the tower top you have not dismounted the cannon but merely drawn them in i shall have to tell the people so the cannon were mounted here by the king's command and by that alone can they be dismounted governor lanai returned billet feeling himself rise to the level of the emergency the true sovereign is yonder and i counsel you to obey it he pointed to the grey-looking masses spotted with blood from the night's battling and reflecting the dying sunlight on their weapons up to the very moats friend a man cannot know two masters replied the royalist holding his head up haughtily i the governor of the bastille know but one the sixteenth louis who put his sign manual at the foot of the patent which made me the commander over men and material here are you not a french citizen demanded billet warmly i am a french nobleman said the count of lanai true you are a soldier and speak like one you are right said the gentleman bowing i am a soldier and carry out my orders well i am a citizen went on billet and as my duty as such is opposed to yours as the king's soldier one of us must die he who fulfills his orders or his duties that is likely sir so you are determined to fire on the people not unless i am fired at i pledge myself to that effect to lord provost flacella's deputation you see the guns have been retired but at the first shot i will roll one say this one forward out of the embrasure with my own hands train it and point it and fire with the slow match you see there 
"'If I believed that,' said Billet, "'before you could commit such a crime, "'I have told you that I am a soldier "'and know nothing outside my orders.' "'Then look,' said Billet, "'drawing Lanai to the gap in the battlements "'and pointing alternately in two different directions, "'the main street from the town "'and the street through the suburbs. "'Behold those who will henceforth give you orders.' "'Lanay saw two black, dense, roaring bodies, "'undulating like snakes.' with head and bodies in sight, but the rearmost coils still waving onwards, till lost in the hollows of the ground. All the bodies of these immense reptiles glittered with the scales. These were the two armies to which Belay had given the Bastille as the meeting-place, Marat's men and Gonchon's beggars. As they surged forward, they brandished their weapons and yelled blood-curdling cries. At the sight, Lanai lost color, and said as he raised his cane, "'To your guns!' Then, threatening Belay, he added, "'You scoundrel! To come here and gain time under pretense of a parley! Do you know that you deserve death?' Belay saw the attempt to draw the sword from the cane and pierce him. He seized the speaker by the collar and waistband as swift as lightning, and raising him clear off the ground, he replied, "'And you deserve to be hurled down to the bottom of the ditch to be smashed in the mud. But never mind. Thank God I can fight you in another manner.' At this instant an immense howl, a universal one, rose in the air like a whirlwind, as Major Lozma appeared on the platform. "'Oh, sir, for mercy's sake!' he said to Belay. Show yourself, for the people there believe something has happened to you, and they call for you. Indeed, the name of Belay, set afloat by Pitou, ascended on the clamor. The farmer let go Lanai, who replaced the blade in the stick. The three men hesitated for a moment while the innumerable cries of vengeance and menace arose. Show yourself, sir, said Lanai. Not because the noise frightens me, but to prove that I have acted fairly. The farmer thrust his head out of the porthole, waving his hand. At this sight the populace burst with cheering. It was, in a measure, revolution standing up in Belay's stead, as this man of the lowest ranks trod the Bastille turret like a master. That is well, sir, went on Lanai. Now— all is ended between us. You have no further business here. They ask for you below. Go down. Belay appreciated this moderation on the part of a man who had him in his power. He went down by the same stairs, the governor following. The major remained up there as the governor had whispered some orders to him. It was evident that Count Lanai had but one wish— that the bearer of the flag of truce should be his active enemy as soon as possible. Without speaking a word, the envoy crossed the yard, where he saw the cannoneers were at their pieces, and the lint-stocks were lighted and smoking. He stopped before them. "'Friends!' he cried. "'Remember, 
that I came to your commander to stay the shedding of blood, but that he refused me. In the king's name, be off from here, said Lanai, stamping his foot. Have a care, retorted the farmer. I am ordered out in the king's name, but I shall return in that of the people. Speak out, he added, turning to the Swiss. Who are you for? The foreign soldiers were silent. Lanai pointed to the iron door, but Belay attempted a final effort. Governor, in the name of the nation, in the name of your brothers. Brothers, is that what you call them who are bellowing down with the Bastille and death to the governor? They may be brothers of yours, but surely they are none of mine. In humanities, then. Humanity? Which urges you to come a hundred thousand strong against one hundred hapless soldiers immured in these walls and cut their throats? But by giving up the Bastille you save their lives. And I lose my honor. The lay was hushed for the soldierly argument crushed him. But again he addressed the soldiers, saying, Surrender, friends, while it is yet time. In another ten minutes it will be too late. I will have you shot unless you are out of this instantly, thundered Lunai. As true as I am a noble. Belay stopped an instant, folded his arms in token of defiance, and crossing glances for the last time with the exasperated governor, walked forth. End of chapter 11. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.